0: Welcome to For the Love of Books, a podcast by North Archer Libraries. Hi everyone, welcome back to the North libraries Libraries podcast for the love of books. My name is Chris Wilson, the eServices librarian, and happy Book Week Scotland everybody. We're in the midst of Book Week Scotland. We hope you've enjoyed it so far. We have got some fantastic events going on in our libraries this week. And for today's podcast, we have got an author interview for you as well with Philip Cavaney, who has also got a bit of an evil twin that he writes under the name of, of with Danny Weston. Which is the the books we're going to kind of focus on a little bit with our interview. He's got a new book out called Postcards from Valhalla, and we're going to talk about that book and a little bit about all the ones that he's written as Danny Weston as well. And they're they're all kind of very apt for this time of year we've just had Halloween and most of them are very scary stories um, and perfect ones for anyone who enjoys a little scare while they're reading a, book, a good book so if you want to find out a little bit more about Philip's books as Danny Weston and do keep listening and find out all about books such as The Paper and Postcards from Valhalla here we go So, Philip, thank you for coming along and uh, taking part in our uh, podcast today. Um, I thought I would start off by kind of just getting to know why you seem to have a bit of an evil twin called Danny Weston as well. So, uh, could you write under both Philip Cabernet and also um, Danny Weston as well? So, where, where did the evil twin come from uh, for, for that?
1: Well, uh, I think Danny was created like most of my other characters. Um, for a book called The Piper, which we'll probably talk about later on. But he, um, I, I've been published for a very long time. My first book, believe it or not, was published in 1977.
0: That was my first. Yeah, I saw book. that online. yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, and I was, I, I'd published a lot of books as Philip K. me and then I decided, I, I, even when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, I used to love scary stories, and I thought I would write one. So I wrote a book called The Piper. Yeah. Probably. And when I showed it to my regular publishers they said sure yeah we we love this but we're slightly worried that your fans are going to freak out when they read it (laughs) so i had this brainwave i said well what if i kind of created an evil twin of myself and i'll give danny the scarier books and i'll do the lighter ones and of course cunning plan this means that i could now publish two books a year instead of one because you know no writer can publish
0: more than one book a year yeah, yeah. That was just giving yourself double the work though at the same time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we will start off with uh, it's Book Week Scotland um this week. So as an author living in Scotland, I thought um I would get find out what you thought of uh, Book Week Scotland and what it means to you and how important it is and stuff. So, so before we kind of focus on Danny a little bit, I thought we'd find out a little bit what you thought of Book Week Scotland.
1: Well, I think Book Week Scotland is a wonderful thing. I mean, I've lived in Scotland for about eight years now. I live right in the heart of Edinburgh. It's a wonderful place for a writer to live. It's full of inspiration, full of myths and legends. It's yeah. just seems seep out of the very cobbles. Um, I was actually born in Wales. Um, yeah believe it or not, but my father was in the Royal Air Force, so we moved somewhere different every two years. We were never <laughs> in any place for long. Now, I've lived now in Scotland for about eight years. And, of course, Book Week Scotland has its own identity. It's very much a Scottish thing. And I believe yeah. myself, I feel like a Scottish writer now. I've lived here long enough to really appreciate the place and to know quite a bit about it. And to, I'm constantly looking for new things set within
0: Scotland that, that, that will make a great story. Yeah, uh, I think uh, for, for us, from a kind of library point of view, bookies Scotland is such a fantastic event. It's a great opportunity to get um, authors involved in the library service in, in a different way of, rather than just having their books on the shelf for readers to read. and. And it's, and it's a great kind of way of just focusing everybody's attention on that kind of reading for pleasure and kind of trying to get that kind of real message of how important that is out there and things like that. So it's a, it's a great event for us as well.
1: I think libraries are really important places. I mean, I wouldn't be a writer now without my school library. I mean, yeah. looking back, when I was a teenager, about 13 years old, I read a book by Ray Bradbury in the school library. I went to a really horrible boarding school and I spent a lot of time. <laughs> reading books, is my way of escaping. Uh, something we could This Way Comes was the book and I thought then, I was probably about 13 years old, I am going to do this, I am going to be a writer. Now, without the school library, without a library being involved, that would probably never have happened.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's nice to hear people kind of talking about the importance of libraries and think like that as well, which is, is lovely as well, so that's, that's lovely to hear. Now, I think we'll focus a little bit uh, on your books now as well, and, and particularly your your Danny Weston Evil Twin books uh, a a little bit as well. Um, you mentioned there the um, that the first one that you wrote was The Piper, um and that won the Scottish Children's Book of uh, Book Award uh, uh, as well. Um, which, um, online, it's described as a kind of on, uh, a ghost story, perfect for Halloween. Now, obviously, we've just kind of had the kind of spooky Halloween series. How would you best describe that novel for anyone that might want to kind of pick it up? Well, The Piper is a
1: traditional ghost story, and it's it's all about a mysterious house on Romney Marsh that's haunted by the restless spirit of a Napoleonic soldier. Uh, And in my story, it's set in the Second World War and a couple of young evacuees are sent to stay in the house with fairly terrifying results um it's got all the ingredients of the scary story uh, an ancient curse eerie deserted landscapes and a series of unexplained deaths as you say perfect reading for halloween um but i don't know why but as a teenager myself i just loved to read scary stories and um you know when I first started writing, I would do short stories because you have to work yourself up to taking on a, a novel. Yeah. Um, and they would nearly always have a fairly terrifying twist in them.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and it must be quite, um, quite exciting to kind of get an, uh, that award for that for that first kind of attempt at writing for that audience as well.
1: It, it was wonderful i mean it's always exciting to win an award and also just to be nominated for one yeah. um you know because i think i i, I there have been various awards down the years uh but that was by far the most important one for me you know the, the scottish children's book prize that's a that's a beauty to have i still have it right over there on my mantelpiece at the moment actually the award that i yeah. got of course, most of the time I'm just grateful that people are still reading my books. As I said, I, I've published over fifty now. Uh, it's been quite a long career for me. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. And my my whole sort of raison d'être, I suppose, is to try and do something different every time. We're often told, "On well, what you should do is get get a good idea and then just do variations on that." Parts one to twenty-five, and I can't yeah. think of anything more boring for me personally. I wouldn't want <laughs> to do that. I always want to try and find a different angle.
0: Yeah, yeah, and like you say, that 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 um, that novel's not the only one you've kind of received sort of a bit of kind of recognition from awards with as well. You were nominated for the Carnegie Medal as well. Is that right?
1: That's right. That was The Haunting of Jessup Rise, another classic ghost story. Um, that one actually set in Wales, the land of my birth, where I, which I hardly ever visited, which is kind of weird. But um, it was also shortlisted for the Scottish Teenage Book Prize, that one. Yeah. It was 2018 and we came so close. I think we were just bit <laughs> at the post. But as I said, you can't win them all. Uh, and, you know, writing... Isn't, I mean, obviously, it's wonderful when you get prizes. It's great. It, it makes you feel that it's all been worthwhile. But the main thing and it's always been the main thing is to reach readers and to yeah. sort of hopefully reach out to them and, and, and surprise them and thrill them and sometimes even scare them. And that's always been what's behind my desire to become a writer.
0: Yeah, it's and I suppose that's that I'd like to say, I mean obviously that uh, it's good to kind of get that recognition of of, of an award, but I suppose that the kind of building that kind of readership and following uh, of of your, for your reader of readers for the, your novels must be kind of the kind of key part of being a writer, I would imagine. Yeah. Um but um We'll, we'll move on a little bit to your your new book that's just um came out um and it is called postcards from valhalla and it continues along the lines of the scary stories that you've been getting into, but it's, it's got a little bit of a viking twist to this one hasn't it so do you want to tell us a little bit more about that that new novel
1: yeah well i mean the, the idea of the story came from uh, i i wanted to do something about norse mythology okay yeah um, because uh, it's something I've, I'm, I'm not that a big aficionado of it, but it's always thought, you know, there, there, there's, there are some great classic stories in there. I'd like to do something. I want to give it a modern setting, and I want there to be characters within the book that are inspired by Nordic myth, but are perhaps, uh, on the face of it, ordinary people, except there's something about them that's not quite right and something there that gives you pause to think, well... There's something very strange about them now the core of this story is about a 15 year old boy called Vigo yeah. uh, and with his mother he goes in search of his older brother Magnus who's gone missing in Shetland now the fact that Vigo's father went missing in the same location five years earlier is obviously very very worrying and yeah the mother is terrified. you know what is happening what's happening to my older son we've got to go and find him now Vigo Vigo is not that doesn't get on that well with his older brother. He always feels that he's lived in his older brother shadow for a long time and vigo is a sort of a dungeons and dragons kid uh, he like his only connection to Norse stuff is that he likes the thor movies and was looking forward to seeing the new one at the local Cineworld, world and then finds that he's being dragged off to, to shetland a place he's never even been or thought about yeah. uh to, for this brother who he, he doesn't really want to meet again so um that's the basis of it
0: yeah and, it, and, they, and he kind of starts to have some sort of visions and things like that as he as he goes along the story doesn't he? They, they, That's and right. the, the first one he kind of encounters is when he's kind of driving, they're driving to get to the ferry and he sees one coming towards the car and and, and he kind of freaks out because he thinks it's a real uh, horse coming towards the car and he, he doesn't understand why his mum's not swerving out the way and all that sort of stuff so it's it's quite it's quite vivid for him to see these 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 kind of um visions yeah. he sees
1: as the story progresses you see he has these dreams and visions and things and and the closer he gets to Shetland the more intense and the more frightening they become um the this book is actually obsessed with dreaming i think that that's the key to the story it's all about dreams and mm-hmm. what i try to do in this story is to blur the lines between dreams and reality so as the book progresses, we're not sure if what we're seeing is a dream or if it's actually happening.
0: Ah, I see. And where did the inspiration for the story come from? Is there anything that in particular that sparks the stories that you end up writing? Or, 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 or was there kind of any particular thing that made you kind of want to write a sort of Viking based story?
1: Well, as I say, it, it was no more than that, because I'm not a big expert on, on that kind of thing, um, on, on, on Norse mythology. But I, I have the idea of doing something connected to it. And uh, when you've been writing for a very long time, it's it's a bit like being addicted. I mean, you wake up and you, you think, oh, I finished a book. What am I <laughs> going to do next? So you seize upon an idea and you start looking around. It. And then I seized on the idea of doing something about Shetland. Shetland was a place I had never been, but was fascinating place so um i i and my wife we, we 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 drove up to shetland and we spent a week driving from the south uh, right up to the, the northernmost point in unst and then i decided that as we were going along well i thought what i would do is I, my characters would follow my journey they would follow in my footsteps they would see what i saw oh, okay and the other thing that occurred to me was well look we are filming video footage as we go mostly for reference purposes wouldn't yeah. it be Right. If my readers, um, if there were QR codes planted in the book and they could take their phone and look at the QR code and be taken to that exact place in Shetland and see what I'm seeing and what my characters are seeing. And then they would feel that they were in that place. So really, it's it's like the bonus features on a DVD, you know, yeah. you want to look at them and they will show you sort of three locations in Shetland and there are some other surprising bits and pieces in there as well.
0: That's fantastic it's a really good use of kind of modern technology you can kind of add to the story a little bit as well isn't it it's a, a great idea. Yeah, it's, it's something
1: I've never done before. And I just thought, well, why not? You know, we, we're, we're, we're used to seeing those things on a DVD or whatever, or, or a film. And why not? Why can not that be in a book? And it's just there if you want it. You don't have to look at it, but it's there.
0: Yeah, it's just one of those kind of like, it adds a little bit, but it doesn't, you don't need it for the story, the main kind of story, but it kind of just adds a little bit of extra to it, which I think it's a fantastic idea, I really like that, and probably something that a lot more kind of writers should kind of look at doing, and kind of, and kind of add a little bit to their the, the stories themselves, that's a great idea, I love it. Um, I'd imagine um, you're not you're not a kind of sort of Viking expert, as you like. So I would imagine there must be kind of a little bit of kind of research you've had to done. Obviously, you've you mentioned you've kind of done your kind of little kind of journey up to straight on the things, but there must be kind of a wee bit of research to make sure you got that kind of authentic kind of Viking references and things like that. Correct.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, as I say, I didn't want to make it this kind of Thor, Loki, sort of lots of characters running around in spandex like some sort of a Marvel movie. (laughs) I wanted it to feel very real, very realistic. And yet, if you look... There are connections between these characters and some of the stories from Norse mythology. And some of the things are mentioned in passing, you know, and there is a character called Leon who Viggo and his mother meet on the ferry going over and who somehow attaches himself to them. And then they can't get rid of him. He follows them everywhere. He always keeps turning up. And this man seems to know about any subject in the world down to the finest detail he is like a walking wikipedia and the more he's with them the more they become dependent upon him and by the end of it you're not sure about this guy you think is he good is he bad there's something about him that is really really off the scale um so i mean my feeling about it is obviously if uh, if if young readers have a look at this book and think oh, i'd like to know more about this and then they go and look at norse mythology that's so much the better that's great but it's not necessary i don't think there's anything in this story that they won't get
0: fairly easily just from a read yeah so i was going to ask that about whether do you think that the readers need to be kind of into vikings as as to kind of enjoy this story but or or can they kind of get into it without having that, that sort of viking interest
1: I don't think there's any need for you to, 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 you know, to even be. I mean, the weird thing was, you know, I, I went to Shetland and I don't know if you've ever been. It's a, an amazing place. And you're struck by stuff the moment you arrive. I mean, driving across the landscape, you look around, you think oh, there's something wrong here. What's going on? Where are the trees? And it turns out there are no trees on Shetland that 5,000 years ago. The Vikings, who wanted to raise their sheep, cut them all down, and because of these thousands and thousands of sheep, never let anything grow back. So there are no trees at all, and that's weird because I've visited lots of Scottish islands, and mostly mostly, most there are trees there um so all this kind of thing is is remarked upon um i'm also hoping you know that it will get a lot of people to go and visit shetland because it's a fantastic place the people there were so friendly so welcoming and um, i just think it's one of the most
0: unique places i've ever visited (laughs) <laughs> that that's fantastic. I haven't ever been to Shetland but it does. Uh, it's somewhere that we, I would love to see at one point, and, and it does. And I didn't I didn't know that about actually. That's a fantastic little kind of fact about the 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 trees and things like that. I didn't know that about that, so that's really interesting. And and I think it is one of those places that's just got that kind of, of sort of mystery to it that uh, that I think everyone would kind of love to kind of discover a little bit more, and has got that really rich history behind it. And. Um, it's a really interesting place and it's probably a great setting for a book to kind of be setting so hopefully the, the readers who get a chance to read that will kind of be able to kind of get involved in the mystery of Shetland a little bit as well. so I don't, obviously you have you have kind of created this sort of Danny Weston evil twin kind of persona and written various very scary books under that that uh, that pen name. Should we be we a little bit worried about how much you take enjoyment out of scaring teenagers, uh, or or is it or is it just that? Do you think it just, it's just as a nice show enough for to, to, to write for for teen, the teenage audience? <laughs>
1: Well, I don't think there's anything to be scared. I mean, in a weird way, I mean, from our very earliest years, think of the very first stories that we are given as children, you know, Little Red Riding Hood, Hansel and Gretel. They are essentially gothic horror stories. And we are thinking of giving that to tiny children who can barely walk and talk. Uh, So we're kind of raising it. And I mean, I know as a kid, the stories that I really responded to were the scary ones. You know, I used to love. I mean, there used to be the the, the pan books of horror stories that you could get as a kid. And I used to, I used to, I read all of those. I had the whole series, and I loved the idea of having some sort of short, sharp story that get in there and will twist you and will really freak you out. Um, and if, you know, if I'm in a school and I say, "Who likes scary stories here?" I can guarantee hundreds of hands will go up. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Be scared. But it's also quite difficult to scare people with just words on paper as well. It's, it's, a, it's a real
0: skill, you know. The yeah. challenge. Right. As it, it a child, and I think you, I think you're right though. I, I think I kind of, in sort of younger age, you, the scary stories that you, you hear uh, and are the ones that kind of stick with you a little bit, isn't it? Yes. I, um, I, I know it's, it's not a book, but I, I remember my, uh, a family member let me see a scary movie at a very young age, which. Was probably not something they should have done, but but obviously, and it was one of those things that stuck with me, and and made me terrified of werewolves ever since. And I remember, <laughs> I even remember like vividly to this day, I had a nightmare about werewolves and stuff like that when I was whenever I was young after that. And and it it's just it's something that kind of just sparks, a kind of really kind of and makes a kind of almost like a core memory in your mind, your mind about these things. Does stick with you a little bit, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And um, the run up to Halloween, our, the Duke of Edinburgh uh, volunteers at Cumberland Library um, named your book. One of your other books, Mister uh, Mister Sparks, as their book of the week on our T Space social media, um, and, and any teams that haven't followed the the T Space accounts should go and follow them and keep up uh, with all the updates that are going on to those. Um, uh, the, the cover alone in that book, um, I think, is scary enough um, for me. Uh, uh, the, the kind of vent- ventriloquist doll kind of thing that's on the cover—that's quite a scary cover for me, isn't, don't you think? Yes, yeah, it's one of the scary
1: covers I think I've ever had I mean I love that cover actually and I, I yeah. had it as, as my home screen on my phone for ages said <laughs> um, it was recently replaced but I think by inch Tim because I love the artwork for that as well that's another Danny Weston book but um I don't know it's it, it's it's um it's great because it getting the right cover it, it is so important yeah um, and I'm lucky I guess in that respect that I do get some input into it. not a, I mean basically I think my, the publishers will say to me have you got any ideas uh for the basic idea for a cover i mean and i'll just say i mean for for the new book i sort of said well there's a tree the tree of Yggdrasil, which is this famous tree from norse mythology and it figures in the story i think that might be the place to start and sure enough we've ended up with a cover which i'm really pleased with that does have this kind of tree as the central design central image uh, it's great that I, I actually did train as a graphic designer back in the day when I was at college. Oh, wow. um, but I had my first book published around the same time, and I never ever got to use that skill. so I'd be so rusty now, but I do still um, like to look at and comment on on the artwork and everything and and maybe make a suggestion, say, well, how about if we went for a bright orange for these letters or something? you know and they're very good, they're very accommodating. I like that. I like being involved.
0: Yeah, that, it's interesting because because I was going to ask you about how, uh, whether you had much input into to cover because because I have obviously sort of books to various authors and I, I kind of do tend they can ask that a little bit to a lot of them because I, I do I do I like artwork a, a lot in, on the books <laughs> and I think a lot of it um, kind of effort and goes into a lot of the, the artwork that goes on them and it's interesting to see because some authors don't really kind of either want to get involved too much with that side of things or or have too much of a say but it's interesting that you've got you've kind of got that kind of relationship with the publisher where they do allow you to kind of quite a, quite a significant input into it and kind of comment on it and things.
1: Yeah. The one place you don't get any input of course is with translations and um, the, for instance uh, back in the day I, my first children's series, Sebastian Dark, uh, which went mentioned about four books and that, that was sold in 20 countries around the world and we had some covers from weird places, like I don't know, Indonesia, and you know, places like that, Spain, yeah. Japan, uh, and these book covers have come in, and they bore no resemblance to the story that I could. I thought, I thought, who are these characters? Course, <laughs> you're you're giving the book after the event. Oh, this is what it looks like in, you know, in, in Thailand, for instance, or
0: whatever, and you think, okay, I'll interpret your ideas visually. Yeah, that is interesting. Actually, I've never really ever thought about that. But it's interesting to to, to think about how kind of maybe different cultures maybe affect how the cover turns out and things like that sort of stuff. It's interesting. Yeah, it's it's, it's something I've never really ever thought about before. And it's interesting that that you kind of get to have a wee bit of an input there, but not so much for an, an international audience. I suppose it might be published by different people and things like that in different countries and things, so... Um, that's maybe kind of part of the reason why now i wanted to ask you um about um if you had to choose one of your danny weston books as a starting point for a new danny weston fan um which one would you choose as a kind of start off point for them well
1: probably just Start with the first Danny Weston book, which is The Piper, you know, and yeah. it came out in uh, 2016. I think that came out. But I mean, it's still aroused and available. And if you want to sort of pin down the Danny Weston style, that book will pretty much uh, show it to you. But as I say, all of those books are different. Um, yeah. You, you can say, OK, well, you know, a, there are there are ghost stories, but there, there's always something different about the ghost story. And it's not quite like the one before. Um, so yeah, always I've always been of the, the mind that I want to be versatile. As Oscar Wilde famously said that versatility is a curse. Uh, <laughs> but for me, I, I mean, to keep going for as long as I have, I need to continually reinvent what I do. Yeah, and to be doing a series, you know, until you're up to part 28 or 29, I I think, no, why would I do that? Why would I put myself through it? I might be financially more successful, but it's not. <laughs> it's not what motivates me as a writer yeah
0: I, th- I think I, I do often think about that But with like, the, like, people who do have those series that are like 25 but how they can kind of keep those characters and keep it kind of fresh It must be quite challenging to do that whereas like kind of like kind of I've of
1: longer than three or four books yeah before I start to think oh you know I'm starting to silent so think I'd like to sort of move on to something else now so these days uh, and for a long time now I have done standalones um because I mm. love the fact that you get in there you you get your idea you you make your story and then it's gone yeah? and then you're on to something else and uh, you know weirdly by the time a book comes out I mean I have a copy of uh, Postcards from Valhalla here only he arrived yesterday <laughs> uh, but I'm already sort of well into
0: the thing that comes next. Mm. Ah, so I was going to actually ask you that as a kind of kind of as we're kind of getting to the end of the podcast about what does come next for you. So, so you've got uh, you've got something else in the pipeline already. That I was going, to, I was wondering about uh, uh, whether there'd be a possibility of any sequels for like um, postcards with a hat. But you're not looking into that too much, so is that you? I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I
1: might be persuaded if it did incredibly well and I I might, but I know for the moment I'm already halfway into a new idea. Fantastic. Uh, Just roughly and this is the first place that that it's ever been said, I'll tell you this. Uh, I'm About a boy who gets trapped in a famous book. Oh. By a famous Victorian writer. And that's all I'm gonna say. Because at the moment it's just I'm kicking the idea around, but I'm flowing really nicely. And uh, I'm already up about the halfway point thinking this could be a goer. So, you know, um again, it's always that it's a bit like that thing about being the shark, always wanting to keep on moving forward. You know, <laughs> you yeah. can't let the, the, the grass grow. Uh, you, you write the end, you send it off to somebody, you do the edits and all that kind of stuff. There's a whole lot of stuff that comes afterwards. You have to do edits and various things yeah. and proofings and But then I'm already on to the next idea and thinking, what am I going to do next? What am I going to do next? You know, it's almost like uh, I can't stop myself from doing it.
0: Yeah, that, sounds, that that kind of idea you've got sounds fantastic, I, I have to admit, that sounds like a great idea, and um, hopefully it comes it comes to kind of a full novel at some point and we can kind of get a chance to read that when it sounds fantastic. I think
1: it's on the way to being that, so you know, yeah. um, watch this space.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's a little exclusive for us on our podcast, which is always a great thing, so thank you very much, Philip, for coming along and telling us all about your Danny Weston books, and um, I'm sure there'll be lots of readers out there who'll be really interested to to get their hands on them either teens or even adults because I'm sure adults will get would get just as much out of them as well if you like a good scary story and you you can kind of find most uh, all the books on our on like our catalogue as well to kind of reserve and things like that if you are interested catch in catching some of them so um thanks for coming along talking to us about them philip
1: thank you and it's lovely to talk to you
0: So there you go, guys. I hope you've enjoyed listening to our little chat with Philip and finding out a little bit about his evil twin alter ego, Danny Weston. Um, If you do fancy picking out some of these books, do check our online catalogue and see if you can preserve them and enjoy a good scare, which is always good. That's all for us for now, guys. There is always some fun stuff happening in the libraries. Do check out our website to see what's going on and have a wee look at there. So go to cultureaniel.co.uk libraries and you'll find out all the stuff that's going on in libraries on and on, on there. But that's all for now, guys. Do watch out for the next Bees Books edition of the podcast coming out next week as well. It's going to be another fantastic episode from Jenny and Parry. And you can leave us some feedback on our podcast using hashtag FLB podcast or by dropping us a wee email at librarypodcast at uk, and we can get a wee email from that so I hope you've enjoyed listening and we'll be back again very very soon with another podcast bye bye guys